Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm your teacher and host, Mr. Jason Van Bemmel. I am pastor of Forest Hill Presbyterian Church, and it is good to be with you for another journey through another chapter of God's Word. This is day number 98 of our three-year journey. I think it's 1,095 uh, days that we will spend together in God's Word in this complete journey. So we're we're just getting there. We're not yet one-tenth of the way through, but by God's grace, he will lead us on, even as he led the Exodus generation on by his grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit who dwells within us and who inspired your word and who illuminates our minds and hearts to understand and receive your word. We pray that you would be with us as we study your word today and help us to receive it, believe it, cherish you for it, and respond in true faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Exodus chapter 14, the crossing of the Red Sea. Powerful chapter. Let's begin. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi-Hiroth, between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal-Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say to the people of Israel, For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, What is this that we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and army and overtook them and encamped by the sea, <clears throat> by Pihahiroth and in front of Baal-Zephon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. 
For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry land. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness. And it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning, watch, the Lord, in the pillar of fire and cloud, looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained, but the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the midst of the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord, and in his servant Moses. That's Exodus 14 in the English Standard Version. This is the... The Passover and the crossing of the Red Sea together are the the great salvation events of the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, terms this the baptism of the people of Israel. They were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. In other words, they were, they were brought together as a people, which included the foreigners and the stragglers and the hangers-on from wherever they were from, mixed multitude that went out with them. They were all together made the nation of Israel. So their sins, their sins were covered 
right? Symbolically in the Passover, which ultimately would be fulfilled in Jesus on the cross. So that was the accomplishment of their redemption, you could say, because the wrath of God was would passed over them because the blood covered over them. And now they're being led out. Now they're being actually delivered. They're being baptized. They're being, they're being brought together and united as one nation under the Lord. Um, I was going to say one nation under God, and then that would take me in a whole different direction. So what we need to see first in this passage is that God deliberately put his people in danger, leading them to a place where they had no natural means of help or escape from the largest and most powerful army in the world. The Egyptian army was the great army. The Egyptian empire was at this time the great empire in the world. And so God put them, he said, turn back in camp in this place. And he knew that that place would put them in a very vulnerable position where they had no way of getting out and no assistance that would be able to come to them. And then he hardened Pharaoh's heart so that Pharaoh would pursue them. So he hardened Pharaoh's heart and the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, what is this that we have done? So we see both God's sovereignty in hardening Pharaoh's heart. And we also see Pharaoh and his servants' responsibility in that they are, they are willingly doing this, right? It is the sovereign decree of God, but they are not mere puppets. So he pursues them. Why does God do this? Why does God shut his people in? And why does God harden Pharaoh's heart? Well, he tells us why. It's so that he will get glory. I will get glory over Pharaoh and over all his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. That's pretty clear what he wants to do. He wants to exalt his name to the Egyptians, as well as in the sight of his own people. Now, Pharaoh comes out and chases them down. And this is, again, the largest army in the world. All of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen and his army, the entire army. He didn't send out a little detachment. Again, the the Israelite multitude is probably 2 million people. It's like 600,000 men besides women and children. And then the foreigners who, who came in among them, it may have been probably as many as 2 million people. And so Pharaoh's not going to go after them with a small detachment. He sends his entire army and he goes himself. So the people are terrified. They don't trust God. They don't really know God. And they... They accuse Moses and the Lord of simply bringing them out into the wilderness to kill them. Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us up out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. So you see the hearts of the people are hard by their sin. When Moses came to them in Egypt, they did not believe him. And they really didn't want to go along with him. But he had this overwhelming power from God. And so they were compelled to go. But now they're having second thoughts and they're saying, see, we should have just stayed. We were right to begin with to not trust you. We were right to begin with to not want to be led by you. They don't trust God. But Moses doesn't respond to them with, fine. You people deal with this situation on your own if you're so smart. He didn't storm off into the desert wilderness. No, he said to them, fear not, stand firm, 
and see the salvation of the Lord. Don't be afraid. Stand your ground where God has put you and see the salvation of the Lord. Now, the word salvation in Hebrew is Yeshua, which is the same as the name of Jesus. It's also the name of Joshua, who would be Moses' assistant, who's going to come up later in our Bible reading. So it means the Lord saves or he saves or salvation. And it is just a very, very key word for when God moves and acts on behalf of his people to deliver them. And Joshua has this name because God's going to move through him to deliver his people into the promised land. Moses brought them out of the land of bondage. Joshua brings them into the promised land. We have a greater than Moses and a greater than Joshua, the Lord Jesus Christ, who does all of this. He covers our sin as our Passover lamb. He leads us out of the house of bondage and he leads us into the promised land because he is the fulfillment of all of these things from the Old Testament. And he is ultimately the salvation of the Lord. So the word to us, when we face overwhelming enemies, when we have no human means of help or escape, when we don't know what we're going to do or where we're going to turn, the word to us is fear not, stand firm where God has put you on his word, on his promises, on his presence, on his provision, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. Trust God and you'll see Jesus, your great high priest, interceding for you, giving you grace and mercy to help you in time of need and leading you in, in deliverance from your enemies. He will preserve your soul from the enemy who wants to overwhelm you and rob you of your faith in Christ and your joy in the Lord and your strength in him. Now, God gives his authority to Moses. Moses here is a picture of, of Christ uh, who is sent by God, has the authority of God, uh, is able to speak and to do great wonders. And so he's a, he's a foreshadowing of Christ, the, the Messiah. And so he, he lifts up his staff, which is the symbol, that concentrated symbol of the authority of God. Stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel shall go through on dry ground. And so the people go through on dry ground. And as they're waiting for the waters to part, and as they're slowly making their way across, because it takes a long time, it takes all night for these people to cross, the Lord in the pillar of cloud goes between the Israelites and the Egyptians, and he stands as their rear guard and protects them as they cross. And we know the story, don't we? The Israelites cross safely, and then the Egyptians have it in mind that they're going to pursue. And first God throws the Egyptians into a panic so that they cannot overwhelm the Israelites within the now dry seabed of the Red Sea, right? Because if, it's, if the channel's wide open and Israel's walking through on foot and the Egyptians are able to ride through on their chariots, the Egyptians would soon overwhelm uh, the Israelites. But God makes their chariots get stuck and throws them into a panic because they can't ride through this. Where people can walk because they're lighter, the chariots can't ride, but God, God does this. God clogs their chariot wheels, uh, and so they drove heavily, and they got stuck in the mud, and they couldn't get through. And then the Lord says to Moses, now I'm going to deliver you from your enemies so that they don't pursue you. Because if the Lord didn't drown the Egyptian army here in the Red Sea, they could have found another way around. And they would have been so much more powerful and so much faster than this group of nomads on foot. And so God drowns them. 
in the Red Sea, and they are completely wiped out. And after the Lord drowns them in the Red Sea, we see, thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hands of the Egyptians. Right? Saved them. And Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord, they believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. But did they really? They're going to sing this wonderful song of salvation that we're going to get to in a couple of days. Tomorrow we'll be in Psalm 18 and then in Proverbs 4 and then we'll come back to Exodus 15. But did they really believe? You see, this is what's called by some theologians sign faith. In other words, faith that is directly prompted by a miracle. It's not word faith. It's not faith that's produced by the word of God. They didn't believe the word of God when it came. They didn't believe until they saw the sign. And if you read the Gospels, especially the Gospel of John, what you will see is that sign faith is not true in saving faith. If you see a great miracle and then you believe, that's not true faith. That's just a temporary awestruck wonder. What we need is word faith. Faith that responds to God's word. So we're actually in a better position. Remember what Jesus said to Doubting Thomas, Blessed are you because you've seen and believed, but how much more blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe? Because we believe on the basis of God's word. We are more blessed because we are given a word faith by the Holy Spirit working in our hearts. Let's pray. Father, help us to trust your word and to trust your son, Jesus Christ, who is the sum and substance and fulfillment of your word. Lead us in faith by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. That was day 98. Join us tomorrow for day 99 in Psalm 18. Have a blessed day in the Lord. Mm-hmm.